0: This is Faith Revisited.
1: Welcome to the podcast.
0: On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Faith Revisited podcast. You have Molly and Ben today. Hello, hello. Hello. So I kind of want to talk about a topic that has been on my mind for the past month. I went on a Holy Land cruise at the beginning of November, which...
0: And and Molly, I was going to say, can we just tell our listeners, this ended up being a lot more than you bargained for.
1: A lot more. Um, As you all know, there is a war happening, and we were less than 24 hours out of port, and we were supposed to be in Israel when the attacks happened. And there was a cruise ship that left out of the same port in Athens as we did, and they actually landed and disembarked. And so they had people on the ground that they were rushing back. So we are very lucky and thankful that we were not in the country of Israel when this all happened. It was a very close call a lot of disappointment on the ship in general we were supposed to do three days in israel and two days in egypt and they had to keep changing plans um because at first we thought we were still going to go to egypt and then there was an attack in egypt as well so it was like a big who knows what the schedule is going to be today cruise which ended up being i learned a lot of lessons from it it was a wonderful vacation with my mother uh we would ended up just going to the Greek Isles. And so I got to experience some Greek islands that I probably never would have prioritized before. And my trip was a lot less tour guide heavy, like long days. It was more relaxing, which turns out that's what I needed. So in the end, it was fine. I hope I will get to visit the Holy Land one day. I met Adam Hamilton, who we have had on this podcast. It's still like the most listened to podcast episode. And you know, he remembered talking to us. And so that was really fun to make that connection because he was there all week. But um, yeah, so that was kind of a summary of my trip to the Holy Land that didn't actually happen.
0: But- you and your mom adam hamilton lounging <laughs> out on the no
1: yeah. you know i know what, what his drink is water. i know what his drink is though because i saw him um almost every night i kind of stationed up at a bar i made some friends because you're on the ship with the same yeah. people all the time and um he came there almost every night with his family and so i do know what adam hamilton yeah. drinks so um pretty so exciting yeah but yeah. So,
0: yeah. Wow. I, yeah. I remember I got a text from you, and obviously, time is you were ahead of Eastern time. Yeah. And you text me like 10 or 11 on a Saturday morning, and you're like, Hey, I need to let you know this. And I was like, What are you talking about, Molly? And then yeah. a couple of hours later, it broke into a college football game I was watching. I was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is what Molly yeah. was talking about. I mean,
1: about. we didn't know it happened that morning, and we were in the Mediterranean, and the ship just kind of stopped like in the middle of the Mediterranean on our way there. And, you know, it's very much hearsay because you don't get a lot of good reception or news and the live TV wasn't really going. And plus, all this had just happened like a couple hours before in Israel. And so they're not even sure what's happening or the extent of what it was and what it could be. And like in that first 24 hours, it was very much like, okay, what is happening? Like, what are the facts? And yeah, that didn't break in the U.S., hours after that and so we were in a holding pattern and we thought oh maybe this is just like a you know you don't know the scale of what it is so yeah apparently I didn't realize it hadn't broken in the U.S. yet when I had texted you to be like oh I should probably let my pastor know that like I'm fine Um, and I'm with I was with my parents church my church in California a group of I think 16 or 17 of us were together. So they were talking to their like prayer team and the people in charge. And I was like, oh, maybe I should like let my church know as well. Just, you know, big life events type thing. So yeah.
0: Yeah. It was a lot. Big week, but lots of lessons, lots of uh, blessings in the midst of the chaos. Absolutely. Um, We had originally hope to do an episode based on your travels. Yeah, And so we we were going to get you to share about all these things that you encountered in the Holy Land, but unfortunately you didn't get to encounter them. However, we briefly discussed before uh, we started recording that you did in fact have interesting encounters and dare I say even encounters with God, even in the midst of all the Turbulence and uncertainty. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't a, like us, a walk. Uh, sort of, it, sort of thinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a walk. I was anticipating a walk in Jesus's footsteps and like being able to uh-huh. grow closer in my faith with Jesus. Um, we ended up doing uh-huh. more like, um, now I'm it, Paul, Paul. He's the one that traveled a bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we ended yep. up doing more of a Paul thing, but um, I learned a lot of lessons and I'm hoping you can help like share some of your knowledge with me because i'm still having a hard time processing some of what i experienced but basically there was a situation where um i met this very lovely couple um i really enjoyed conversations with them and getting to know them and people on the cruise ship kind of hung out in the same Locations, So you saw the same faces a lot. And I was by myself most of the time. So I was very chatty with everyone around me made a ton of friends. <laughs> um This very lovely couple. Um They came to me, I met them previously a couple nights ago. And then one night they came and they're like, Hey, are you with this tour group that's on the ship? And I was like, Yes, I am. You know, that's who I'm with. I'm not going to name the group yet. I mean, most people who travel <laughs> probably would know Um But it's a faith based tour group that was we had a couple hundred people on this ship and this couple is LGBTQ plus and they had received a lot of looks, a lot of negative comments directed at them, a lot of things that they were very taken aback by because they had never felt that level of discrimination on a cruise ship. They're very avid cruisers. Um, Celebrity is a very um, pro and welcoming cruise ship. They had like LGBTQ nights every single night um, that mm-hmm. where you could gather and meet. And so this couple had asked if I was a part of this group because they had experienced some discrimination and some conversations with people that was very upfront and blatant to them. Um, of people wearing name badges with the tour group that I was with. Yeah.
0: And, and so I- just so our listeners can make the connection here, you met this couple sort of on like downtime on the cruise yes. ship. And they put A and B together that you were actually with this tour group, but they met you during downtime. Yes. So then they made the connection during another downtime yes. that y'all were enjoying some social time together.
1: Got yeah. It. and. They had asked me, you know, because they they just wanted to know, I guess, the history of the group or what was the makeup of it and how they were just trying to get to the bottom of, you know, is it this entire group that's against them or, you know, I don't know what exactly they were trying to get. But anywho, I was left feeling very hurt because I am very affirming. In Mm -hmm. what I believe, and especially our church, I found a home and the United Methodist religion is going through this massive split. And they had asked me about that because in their research of doing this group, they had found out about a bunch of Methodist issues that is all over, you know, and I felt like for the first time I had to defend my beliefs in being an affirming and loving Christian. And it made me think of, there are so many people that do not think the way I do. And even the ones that were saying things to the couple that I think are inappropriate, or I'm shocked that they had that reaction. Um, I just, I'm looking for your advice of how do we as affirming believers how do we navigate this? What do we say? How do we show our support? And knowing that I firmly believe we love all people. And that includes those who have chosen to disaffiliate or those with disagreements of what I believe in you know what I'm trying to say like how do we navigate this going forward knowing that there are Christians that do not share our views and this was the first time I really felt that I had to defend myself and my beliefs Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so there's a lot there obviously yeah um You know, there's always been Christians who disagreed with this. I think what is startling for you and for other United Methodists is that this season of disaffiliation has revealed to us that the disagreements exist in our own homes.
1: You know what? You know, it's
0: it's uh, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just thinking another huge part of this is I was not raised in the South. Where these things are something you were raised with, whereas when I was chatting with the group from California, and I told them that about 50% of the churches in our area have disaffiliated, they were flabbergasted because they don't know any church that has even come close to disaffiliating. So this is something where I was raised with a completely different viewpoint and idea of the world than where I now live and what you have been raised in.
0: Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, um, it's kind of like I said that, um, you know, Thanksgiving dinner for most families is fine, except for every four years when there's a presidential election. And all of a sudden you realize Uncle so-and-so is a, you know, big old blowhard and Aunt so-and-so is a judgmental, you know, yeah you know just it it, it, you're like oh my god like these people I've coexisted with and love all of a sudden show a side of themselves to me that I didn't realize was there
1: yeah
0: and it's jarring um you know so there's that I think certainly um and obviously I wasn't there for the conversation but if you felt the need to defend yourself which is a natural impulse, you know, fight or flight kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Then they obviously framed it through the lens of their hurt. Yeah. In a way that probably had sharp edges to you. And they, I'm sure that they didn't mean that, but but that's the way things come out sometimes. And I Um, think I
1: was taking it as I have, I mean, I am a, heterosexual, white, female, I don't have a lot of discrimination in my life. And I have close friends that this is what they experience a lot. And that was the first time I had seen it through that lens of like, wow, my friends feel this way often, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. And in church, which which is jarring because of all the places in the world, church should be the last place that somebody feels those feelings. And yet it's often one of the primary places yeah. that someone feels discriminated against. <clears throat> you know, um and and for we're not a perfect church by any stretch, mm-hmm. but we we do work fairly hard at creating a culture where we strive. I won't say we always do, but we strive to make everybody feel welcome. And I tell people, I had this conversation um, with someone who is a regular at our church who said, you know, I know that we're affirming and inclusive, you know, of LGBT people, but like, what if someone came in wearing a MAGA hat? I mean, would they be included? Almost like this reverse way of going, you're judgmental, but, you, and I hear that and that's often true, but my response was. Well, you know, so-and-so, who's actually a church member of ours, um, wore not a MAGA hat, but he wore when we were doing a a mask mandate at our church. His mask said Trump 2020 on it. And he wore it every Sunday. Nobody said a word. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I'm sure people probably had thoughts. I don't know. (laughs) By the way, and I would say thoughts is going, he was the only one wearing a political mask. Like, that was a pretty bold statement either way. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, but, but it's to say there's a lot more people who are conservative at our church than people realize. Yeah. Um, so we've worked fairly hard to create sort of this big tent culture of saying everybody can find a place here. And yes. the downside of that, Molly, is that when you're in it long enough, it also fools you into thinking that we, and realize that we live in sort of a, at times a utopian kind of thing. Yeah. That we don't fight about the things in our church that a lot of churches are fighting about right now. Now we we're not perfect and we fall short of many things, but we're not fighting about disaffiliation. Yeah. We're not fighting about whether or not we're going to include LGBT persons. Like there are other things that we can certainly fight about if we wanted to, but those aren't it. Yeah. So I'm sure for you it was jarring to come face to face with, "Oh, there's like Real discrimination and real hurt felt in and amongst church people. Yeah. So I, I'd say those things to to just start with Molly affirming your um strong feelings in experiencing this third second hand, third hand, whatever hand you know, you witnessed. Yeah an expression of what is at the heart of what's wrong with the church. Yeah. And it's hard to witness that it's, it's, it's like witnessing a car accident. You know, can't stop watching it, but, but it's terrible what you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's a very natural thing for you to, to feel that way. Now, as far as navigating it, we can go two sides on this. Which side would you like to navigate first? We can navigate. What do we do with brothers and sisters in Christ who don't share our beliefs and who may even be opting to follow a path that feels like it runs counter to our path, or we can go the path of the couple that you met and how how we experience them.
1: I kind of want to follow the path of brothers and sisters in Christ that don't agree with what I agree with and how do we still love them? Because I, it's hard when 50% of churches in our area are disaffiliating. Some of your super close friends have disaffiliated in their churches. And how do you still show up and love them when, yeah, and you're right. This is one issue. It could be political. It could be any number of issues that churches or humans deal with. But I guess the overarching lesson is I was hurt that there were people like me treating others not the way I would treat yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Um and I want to know how to love would, those people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I would say Molly, the first thing that comes to mind is proximity matters. Okay. And in this season of division and, and disaffiliation, creating space to share with people who disagree with us means that we keep a semblance of proximity to them. If we lose proximity, then the people who disagree with us simply become known as those people. Yeah. Um, One of the frustrating and beautiful things in my S3 group, which is the friend group that you've referenced a couple of times that literally there's seven of us, And four are remaining, at least as of right now, United Methodists. Three have gone to become a part of the Global Methodist Church. So we are are 50-50 almost split. And someone asked us, we were together a few weeks ago, and somebody brought that up, like, how do y'all do this? And one of the guys in the group had the best answer. He said, you know, there are things that frustrate me about these guys that rank way higher than what they believe about LGBT people. And that, and and the yeah. beauty of that is proximity matters because all of a sudden the closer proximity we keep with people and we dare to be friends and share life and you know see each other's humanness and brokenness and everything in between um it's not that that issue doesn't matter to you or them but in y'all's shared life together it it it, it starts to kind of get right sized in the view of their overall humanness does that make sense so the the more that we just dare to be friends with people who are different yeah the more that those divisions they're not any less present but they just kind of they don't get so exaggerated by hype and you know vitriol and 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 all these fear-mongering things that just make these things swell up artificially yeah um So I think that's important. I I also think knowing what you believe and why you believe it, I have found is vitally important to survive. Yeah. Because I have been open about my stance that the United Methodist Church should change its overall stance and become more inclusive of LGBT persons. I've been open about this for years now um over 10 years well over 10 years which predates the disaffiliation talks where it's like now the church is getting in this like weird space of like split like i, I i've seen legislation you know to just move move the bar an inch get beat 85 to 15% on the floor of annual conference and i'm in the 15% yeah. right and and so that can be a very defeating thing but we're not called to live as people who live in defeat but you have to know what you believe and why you believe it i think most of all you got to you got to hold fast to that um but because there'll be all kinds of things that challenge that and there's sometimes that our beliefs need to be challenged because we need to kind of create wrinkles of nuance that says, you know, I can believe this, but here's an interesting angle I can put on it. Or, or, I, you know, I've always thought this, but maybe I can get, you know, so even within the greater beliefs, like we can create little wrinkles of nuance yeah. in them. But at the core of it, we have to know what we believe, why we believe it, make a decision to say this, this is important to me on a regular basis, so that when those moments come... We can gauge them, receive them, reject them. Sometimes you have to reject challenges to say, sorry, not for me. Um, and do all of that in a way that doesn't make us get in a fight or flight mode that says when challenge comes, I'm just going to hate whatever it is that dares to challenge me. Yeah, I think it's easy to hate when we don't have a foundation laid of this is important and this is why. This is why, for me, I articulate the answer that the reason the United Methodist Church should change its stance on the full inclusion of LGBT persons is not because it's a social justice issue. And there's some who would say that's why, or we need an equitable church, or we need an inclusive church, and I would say it's none of those. All of those are outflows of what's really at the heart of the matter for me, and that is it is a basic gospel mandate that says a huge piece of the great commission is simply about sharing the love of Jesus with all people. Yeah. And if we put parameters on what all people means, like well, all people but all people but then we're not then we're not fulfilling that mandate. We're not living yeah. into the call that God puts on our lives. So it's it's always the gospel first and then these other things follow. Yeah. And that's helpful to me because, you know, when it feels like we, we're not making progress, I, I've learned to try to hold on to, it's still the gospel.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, you follow the whole, like, you know, the, the path of Paul, and Paul's the one who taught us that at the end of the day, you know, the, the whole thing about the gospel is this foolishness to most people. Yeah. And so there is like this foolishness that, that feels like you're, you're holding fast to, but, but it's still there. Um, so I think you can do that and not be angry with, or hate, you know, people who don't necessarily hold to the same things.
1: Yeah. That helps. I did the next day, I was telling the story to someone in our group and I was kind of talking through the conversation that I had and I don't feel that like they were accusatory towards me at all. They were just more trying to figure out like why they were feeling this way and feeling uncomfortable on this cruise that they have never experienced before. And, you know, the person I was talking to made a point after a while that, you know, maybe they needed to talk to me to see there's another side of this. Like, it's not all this group is not all That's there right. to, you know pit one against another, um, that maybe they had, that conversation for me was difficult, but maybe they needed to have that conversation with me to know that there are other people out there who are fighting for them.
0: So can I ask how old sort of uh, age range?
1: Retirement age, retirement.
0: Okay. One of the things that's also, and you probably know this already, that's important to remember, for people especially people I'd say ages 55 and up who are LGBT there's a sacredness in the cruise culture yeah that cruises were more accepting earlier than many vacation places yeah i have an aunt who's recently deceased who who identified not publicly i don't think ever but i mean she's deceased yeah. now but she told me much later in life and she it was kind of one of these unspoken secrets, um, uh, or unspoken truths rather. And I can remember asking where she was at Christmas or New Year's as a kid. And my mom telling me she was on a cruise.
1: Yeah. With friends. I feel most comfortable. Yeah.
0: Because, and you know why? Because they go around all, in in that case, sometimes, you know, Years ago, you would go there at the holidays because you didn't feel comfortable going home. Wow. And so you'd go on a cruise to escape and to be to be away and to enjoy some time away, but you would go to be with people who would accept you for who you are. That's amazing. and so I get where yeah. this couple is probably frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> because you said that they're big cruisers.
1: Yeah. Well, and they said they're like, you know, and it could just be the destinations that we were supposed to go to, like this was a Holy Land cruise, so you're gonna get a different crowd than if you're just sailing the Caribbean or you know the yeah. Greek Isles. Like it is going yeah. to be a different crowd, and they knew that. And I mean, they were s- such a lovely couple, and I really enjoyed my time with them. Um, But it was just a conversation. You know, the mirrors,
0: the yeah. looks, yeah, those things. They're, I mean, you know, they probably live with them in their normal lives to a degree, but cruises I'm sure is like man this is the one place that we we don't we don't do this we yeah. we go on cruises to just be normal and yeah. now we're getting weird looks and comments and people making us feel abnormal yeah and then of course you go from there to the name badge yeah and then from the name badge to go and well now there's this whole group of people i would say your the friend you talked to was absolutely right In saying, what a blessing that God put you in front of them. Because they could have gone around for the rest of that cruise hating Christians or feeling like they were discriminated against by Christians and all these things. And then here they kind of like ready to get, you know, some prejudice possibly reinforced. Then they get this counter witness from you that you kind of shine this light and say, yeah, but that's not all of us.
1: Yeah.
0: Created, whether they voiced it or not, a wrinkle of nuance, as I was talking about. Yeah, for them that's super important to do. Um,
1: yeah, you
0: know, and, and at the end of the day, Molly, I, I think about, you know, Jesus told a story that a guy is walking down the road and he he gets beat up and left for dead. And, you know, a priest and a rabbi come by and give very little care, but a Samaritan comes by and offers all the care in the world. Yeah. And we tend to say, you know, say who can be the good Samaritan, right? Like who, you know, who can be that Samaritan? And, and, and you know, you were kind of a Samaritan, this, this weird outlier um, of people to them. But I would say the heart of it really comes down to what you felt with them. Because the only way you can truly identify with the Good Samaritan story is to realize that all of us have been that guy left for dead on the side of the road. And somebody somewhere came and helped us. And because they came and helped us, then we can see what hurt really looks like when we see it. And our hearts can be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And then because we know what it feels like to be helped, then we can offer help. Yeah. And so you you are a perfect person to be with them because in their moment of hurt that they shared they actually found someone who could totally sit with them and uh embrace and see that hurt for what it really was. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean it's difficult.
1: Yeah. But it's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's good to have clarity around that situation. I've been thinking about it for, I don't know, over two, three weeks now. And it's something that is, it's a very human conversation, especially with such differing beliefs out there. And it's, it was just the first time that I really experienced that. So I've been wanting this clarity and this reasoning and how to approach in the future, just Making sure that I continue to love everyone, and just because they don't agree with what I think that doesn't I don't get to turn it around on those people. so, um, thank you, Ben. I hope to our listeners this I don't know, I hope it was oh, okay, go ahead. oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I hope this was just a moment of clarity for you or insight on who we are and the realness of everyday life, yeah.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll only add one more thing. And you said it at the very beginning and it's, it's so poignant to bring back. You went on this cruise and all your plans got changed and you said it was meant to be a cruise that you walked in the footsteps of Jesus. And you did.
1: Thank you everyone. (laughs) Um, thank you for joining in on this conversation with Ben and I, thank you, Ben. Um, Hope y'all give us five stars. (laughs) Have a great week, everyone. See you next time.